This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. Every leader needs an intentional plan to see transformation take place in their organization. The Kingdom Leadership Workshop exists to help you build that plan. Learn more at www.kingdomatwork.com slash events. Kingdomatwork.com slash events. Broadcast you from Rancho Mirage, California, courtesy of FCCI and Convene. Check them out online, FCCI.org and ConveneNow.com. We're on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Today in the second half of the show, we're talking with Henry Kastner. He's a name you may have heard of before, and if you haven't, you're going to want to hear about it after we're done. He's involved in several things, and you, this is not the last time you're going to hear from Henry Kastner right here on I Work For Him. Henry Kastner, welcome to I Work For Him. It is awesome being with you. What a special honor, privilege, and blessing. Thank you. All right, so tell us your story. I want to hear your story. How did you come to be a Jesus follower? Oh, that's a great one. Uh, so I grew up in a nominally Christian home. Uh, we went to church, but it was a very liberal church, and I never heard the gospel. I um, uh, fell in love with entrepreneurship while I was at college and then saw the movie Wall Street uh, and wanted to be Bud Fox, which is a very um, not a good thing when Charlie Sheen is your first role model. <laughs> yeah. Went and worked on <laughs> Wall Street that, yeah. and pursued fam, uh, uh, fame, really, fame and money and, and dating and all the different things that are traps for so many people. And really effectively ran away from God. And to be to be candid, I never really had that close a relationship with Jesus because I never really knew him. Uh, but at age 28, uh, Kimberly and I, my wife and I, decided that we wanted to raise a family. We are going to get married. We are going to raise a family. And we thought that the thing that good Christ followers or good people did, rather, was join a church. It's kind of a moral mm-hmm. social country club type of thing. And so we went into a church, and the guy there was preaching the gospel. And uh, it threw me for a complete loop. I couldn't understand how this guy who's competent, articulate, and intelligent actually believed that the Bible was true. Mm. Just that part didn't make sense to me. And so um, it, it came to me like this. Uh, and really, was, of course, the Holy Spirit working in my life. I thought, gosh, I could get up to heaven. And St. Peter's there for the entrance interview. And he says, all right, Kaysner, you're on earth for however many years. You read like a thousand books. And you never cracked the cover of the best-selling book of all time. Can't let you in. And I thought, oh my goodness, can I go down like that? So I went, I got a Bible, and uh, as you all know, of course, and as I now know, the Bible's got a lot of pages. Yes, it does, 1,500 plus or minus. Yep, and uh, I got through prep school by reading the cliff notes of all the great classics. (laughs) And so I knew enough about the Christian faith to know that the New Testament, the part in the back that looked like the cliff notes, Mm -hmm. might be something I could kind of tackle. So read through it, and actually the first time reading through it, it took me further away from faith. Because the Christian faith has elements of it, of course, that are exclusive and even offensive. Mm. And I thought, wait a second, isn't it kind of faith is kind of like that elephant where you know, somebody touches the, the trunk and, the, and you know how that illustration works. And I thought that there are multiple ways to God. Uh, but when I came to understand that actually there is a very welcoming invitation for all of us, and yet it's a narrow gate. That threw me off. But it was in reading through it a second time that I think the Holy Spirit was working through me, and it was just like, you know, you can't make this stuff up. And if it's true, it changes everything. That's how I came to Christ. Wow. So it was an intellectual journey, and the Holy Spirit intersected that that, uh, intellectual journey. Yes, as intellectual as a non-intellectual can muster. Yeah, I wouldn't put you in that non-intellectual category. So you and Kimberly, you met before you knew Jesus. Yes. And and how did you guys find Jesus together, or who followed who? Oh, that's a great question. So um, 
the answer the last answer to the last part is neither and here's how it went down we'd been having this discussion about who has it right our liberal faith tradition the church we came into uh, that we had grown up with she'd grown up in the Dutch Reformed Church again very liberal uh, mm-hmm. church and then uh, or do these new people have it right no one way because these people think that the Bible is actually true and that there's only one way mm-hmm. and so who's got it right and so we wrestled with that for about a year and a half uh, I didn't even take communion for the first year and a half because I didn't, you know, the pastor would say, listen, if you don't believe that Jesus is the, mm-hmm. the, the light and the truth and the life and the way, don't take this. It'll be dangerous. So I didn't even take communion at church. But it was coming back from church one day that I looked over her and I said, these people have it right. And she said, I know I made that decision two weeks ago. So wow. that was 1998. <laughs> I'd like that. to think we're better at communicating life-changing decisions <laughs> real time. But that's how it went down. And what state were you in at that time? North Carolina. You were in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Is that where you still are? No, no. I live in Northern California. Wow. Is Kimberly with you? She is. Good. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, like, not right here, right now with me, but, I mean, I yes, we're still you, very much you married. Said, I live in Northern California. <laughs> oh, like, okay, what happened? <laughs> oh, yes. was on the I, so we're like, well, where does Kimberly live? <laughs> oh, I follow. I follow. Yes. <laughs> All right. So at what point in time? Yes. Okay. So you, you, you came to Christ as an adult. You already were a business guy. Talk to us about how the Lord then, as, as you were discipled, how did you learn that your work should be intricately connected to your faith? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think this is the case for a lot of adult converts where it becomes very black and white and everything is all about this new faith. I mean, I saw the world in a completely new way hmm. and it was impossible for me to compartmentalize things. I mean, I had just seen this amazing thing and it was going to change my life forever. So I never took my faith for granted early on. And sometimes now, unfortunately, I do, and I'm not as intentional about it as I'd like to. And we all go through ups and downs. But in the first couple of years, it's actually very, very clear to me that there was a new way. Uh, there's a new purpose in my life, and it needed to incorporate everything. I couldn't look at the work I was doing before. I had a financial derivatives company, and there are some aspects of the client entertainment that were just completely out of line with this new faith that I had. And for me, it became very black and white. Couldn't do that anymore. So uh, I sold that company and then started up a new telecom company called Bandwidth with a partner who became my best friend, a guy named David Markin. We started a company called Bandwidth. And at Bandwidth, uh, we sat down and we said, you know, we want to be really intentional about our culture. This is, this is uh, to let you know the time, this is late 90s, 2000, 2001. And it was all about corporate culture. Mm-hmm. I, when I worked on Wall Street, I wore a suit and tie to work every single day. And it's just kind of, kind of the dress code. And that was the time. And all of a sudden, you could start wearing flip-flops to work. And all of a sudden, there were ping-pong tables. Yeah. And culture was Beanbag a big chairs. deal. <laughs> yeah, and beanbag chairs and those things. And I said, and, and culture, to be clear, was a big part of the success I'd had at the prior company. So I sat down with him. I said, look, let's be intentional about culture. Uh, and he said... That's great. I'm up for that. But it has to be what we want out of our own lives. So uh, remember where we were at dinner when we talked about it? It was going to be faith first, then family, then work, and then fitness. And so from the very beginning of bandwidth, those were the foundational values. And as a new believer, it made all the sense in the world to incorporate this newfound faith in the business. So how did that, how did God take that? So where did bandwidth go? I mean, you started off right during the dot-com crash. I mean, so yes. you, you started off right at the most horrible time ever to yes. start a business. Did it last? 
It did. It did. So you it made did. it. Okay. Yes. No. Through the grace of God, um, we uh, bandwidth and um, and a company we spun off called Republic Wireless have thrived and flourished. Republic Wireless uh, invents uh, really really cool technology devices to include the relay device. Think of a a cell phone marrying a walkie-talkie and having a baby, and that's the relay device for parents who want to be able to communicate with their kids but don't want to give them a screen yet. Yeah. And then uh, we've got a mobile. It should be anybody up to like 21. They shouldn't have a screen. Well, or I'm 48, and so you should probably yeah. take this away yeah. from me too. But yeah. um, the um, uh, so that's one of the things it does, and it's a mobile operator. So we we sell to hundreds of thousands of uh, consumers across the country, mm-hmm. and that's a, a private company. And then we also have a public company. A company we took bandwidth public in November. It trades on the Nasdaq, and through the grace of God, it's flourished. It's done really well. It's got. Um, a great following is a lot of great financial success to the glory of God. What does it do? I mean, bandwidth, what does it do? Yeah, uh, so great question. So um, at the simplest, uh, we're in telecom. Uh, we're a competitive exchange, local exchange carrier, uh, but we're a network operator. The thing about telecom is all about origination and termination. So you originate the call through a phone number that sits on a network, and then you terminate the call in the other place. And you probably are familiar with the concept of long-distance minutes. Sure. Well, we don't, we don't do that part, but we do the origination part. So we serve up phone numbers and allow companies to be able to have the software to be able to incorporate phone numbers into their offerings. So uh, we power uh, 12 different products within Google. We work with Microsoft. We work with pretty much uh, many of... I won't say all because that's not true, but many of the high-end technology firms that incorporate phone numbers into their product offerings. Think about when you go and get a a, a car service through a shared service, and they go ahead and you can call them. Well, we put up that phone number, so uh, well north of 50 million phone numbers in service. And it's been a great business with a great team. Uh, between the two companies, we have just about 1,000 employees, sure. and um, and the foundational values remain the same. Uh, faith first, family, work, and fitness. And I was just going to ask you that you've been you have incorporated that culture in the many different um, ventures that you've had. Sure. So you yeah. have, and we have. And the reason why is because, as David had said early on, uh, any type of values that we aspire to have in our work needs to mirror who we want to be as individuals. Right. And so, fitness is a big part of my life, um, and it's not as important as work which is not as important as family, mm-hmm. which is not as important as my faith. And so everything I'll do, that will always be the foundational values. You know, I love that because it's very genuine then, because it's something you want in yourself. You're not creating a culture that you are not even willing to live out. Yes. It, I mean, you're wanting those same results for yourself. So I think that is important. So you have several ventures, several other, several places that you have um, created influence and um, leadership. So there's Sovereign's Capital. Yes. Is that your biggest focus right now? or I It mean, is. Okay. So tell it us is. what that is. So um, uh, David and I, you're talking about the time in uh, 2001, 2002. D- David and I had some money coming out of some prior ventures we were involved in. And uh, we spent that money pretty effectively for two and a half years. Uh, first year in business, we had 25 employees and 74 grand in revenue. It's not very sustainable. Mm. So we spent through the money we had pretty quickly. And we came up with a business model we thought made sense. And after having done some pivots, we went out to Sand Hill Road, which is this road, mythical road that goes between, well, it's actually real, but it's this larger-than-life road between Palo Alto and Menlo Park. And we went up and down it to talk to the venture capital funds about what we were doing. And we would not talk about our faith on the first visit. 
and we didn't have fish on our business cards. But when it came around to a second or third visit, especially a site visit, uh, we wanted to make sure they knew who we were and our values. And we said, look, we're going to hire the best person for the job. This isn't going to be a holy huddle here. But God is the most important thing for us in our life. And we might do things like pray before board meetings. Here are our foundational values. It's who we are. If you're going to come on board and be a partner with us and be strapped to the mass with us, you need to know more about who we are. So we got a lot of blank stares. Hmm. And I really think that in a best-case scenario, we were um, misunderstood. Worst-case scenario, we're probably prejudiced against it a little bit. We went 0 for 40 in venture raises. So as I shared 0 for 40? 0 for 40. (laughs) We come back, the rest of the story, and how all this led to the latest resource for you guys, our listeners, Faith Driven Entrepreneur. We're talking about his story of where the Lord led him after 40 equity raise failures. You're sharing your faith. You're trying to get, you're trying to raise money. How did all that lead to this ministry you now call Faith Driven Entrepreneur? What's the deal? Well, I'm going to answer that question because it's a very good one and it deserves an answer. But before we do that, there's this one gap that I need to fill in. So we went over 40 and we came to understand. And then, as I explained before, through the grace of God, bandwidth did really well. Republic Wireless did really well. And so we said, you know what? Of course, faith-driven entrepreneurs can compete and win. But if institutional capital doesn't get that, maybe there should be a fund that invests in faith-driven entrepreneurs and encourages them. So Sovereign's Capital was birthed. That's what I do full-time. That's my job. Um, And we've made 39 investments. Uh, We have an office in Southeast Asia. Uh, We uh, uh, have a couple of three different offices here in the States, and it's been a great joy to invest and come alongside with financial capital into the very best faith-driven Christian businesses in America. And so that's what we do. Now, that did give birth the faith-driven entrepreneur, which is your question. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. But um, as I intro into that, the part there that's important is that the worst part by far of my job, my full-time job at Sovereign's Capital, is having to say no to 99 out of 100 companies that come to us for funding. Sure. So I got into this because I believe that transformation happens in the marketplace, and I believe that capital equals influence. And at a point in time where I'd like to be a good encouragement to people, I'm a net discouragement to 99 out of 100. <laughs> so it's not just me, but me and that. We've got a staff now of more than 10. And we're just, that's not good. And uh, so we decided we're going to start an initiative that would seek to serve and equip and encourage all faith-driven entrepreneurs, all people who share our Christian faith. And so we came up with this idea, and it's a daily blog. Uh, it's a weekly podcast, which we've really enjoyed, and we've got a monthly newsletter. Mm-hmm. And then we have a list of resources where people can go deeper because we're just those are just the three things we do. And again, we've got this day job, but we've had a lot of fun, particularly at the podcast. So tell people how they find the, all of those resources. Yes. Thank you for asking. So uh, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. .org. And you'll see a daily blog, many of the blogs, most of the blogs are guest blogs. Somebody who's writing about something really interesting about mm-hmm. identity or they're writing about a, uh, a ministry that they're involved with or how they process hiring people or firing people or things like that. And then you'll see, um, you'll, uh, you'll see the podcast too. 
Excellent. It's a great resource for people. So we want, especially if they're in the entrepreneurial space, they're looking for some encouragement along the way. It sounds like that's what's driving you because unfortunately you can't say yes to every investment opportunity that's coming along. Yes. So what's your hope with faithdrivenentrepreneur.org is your hope that you'll help train some people to bring better presentations to you, better business plans to you? I mean, what is your hope to be able to raise up so you can say yes? (laughs) No. Two out no. of t- no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We want people to understand, first thing, you know, entrepreneurs, as is the case with all Christ followers, but I'd say particularly with entrepreneurs, have an identity problem. Uh, and I see this more in entrepreneurs. And by entrepreneurs, you also mean, you know, business owners of all types. Now, we're not just talking about the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. We're talking about church planners, too. But the identity of an entrepreneur gets wrapped up in being this person that's growing at 20% month over month. And... Ultimately, along the way, they've missed the fact that they are, maybe they haven't missed, but maybe they're not as conscious about the fact that they are a beloved child of God. That's their identity. And God actually doesn't need them to be successful. The work's already done. And so when they can kind of steep in the fact that they're a beloved child of God, they can then look at their work not as their identity, but as their way to come to the altar with all that they are, all their creative energy, uh, all their innovation, and they can really make a big impact. But all too often, faith-driven entrepreneurs miss that. And their lives are characterized by having high levels of anxiety. That's the biggest warning sign that our identity is messed up. Mm-hmm. When we are anxious about work. Now, we should always be concerned about our work. It's important stuff. We should react with urgency. But when our lives are characterized by anxiety, mm-hmm. that's a bad sign about our identity. It's also a warning sign that we're now in a position to have maybe even a negative witness. You know, I can talk about my faith and I can talk about our foundational values all I want, but if I get really stressed out and freaked out at work, that's not a good witness. But I'll tell you one of the things that is really impactful, I think, at Bandwidth is that David's best witness and testimony comes from when we, and we power Google's voice network. It's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty mm-hmm. big network. Mm-hmm. So when the red phone rings and our network is slow, if our network is slow, their network is slow, he responds to that with urgency because the situation calls for it. You really but, have a red phone? Uh, no, it's not, but it's <coughs> a figurative red phone. Oh, but I you just follow wanted, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, old people, only people that watch Batman yeah. understand the red yes. phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going back, and we're going to make that phone red. Okay. Um, as it turns out, it brings on a whole bunch of different people's mobile phones. Okay. But um, uh, he reacts to that with urgency because the situation calls for it, but without anxiety. And it is that time that people say, I want what he has. He can talk and pray at the employee picnic and at Christmas dinner and tell the foundational story when new employees come on, and that's all important. But it's those times when people said, he's got something I don't have, and I mm-hmm. want that. Wow. And that is the powerful witness. It really is. So um, there's another thing that we've learned about you. You are involved with Praxis. Yes. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Oh, Praxis is great. Praxis is uh, the really a, a home for entrepreneurs that are trying to understand how they might um, have redemptive edge to their business. Uh, it's birthed out of, uh, let me tell you about the leaders real quickly. It's co-founded by two guys, Josh Kwan and Dave Blanchard, about seven years ago. And they were inspired by the story coming out of England in the 1840s, 1850s, called the Clapham Circle. Sure. So people like William Wilberforce and others. And they got together and they said, what are the challenges of this day and age and how might we go ahead and come up with innovative entrepreneurial solutions to these things? And out of that came things like the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, um, 
schools, ministries, hospitals, and of course the end of the slave trade. I mean, amazing things happened right. when they came to understand what is wrong with London society in the 1840s and said, we as Christ followers are going to be a part of bringing about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And they did that, and they did it super effectively. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Dave has uh, come to understand, of course, that entrepreneurs can continue to do that now, right? Uh, but there hadn't been a place to really accelerate the very best faith-driven entrepreneurs. And so he meant to set up an accelerator, and uh, and they've done that. Uh, they're based in New York, which is where most of their staff is. Josh remains in California, but... Dave has uh, led the organization very well in New York, and they've got a whole bunch of really, really cool programs for for-profit entrepreneurs. They have a great one for social entrepreneurs, um, and they also have one for uh, college students called the Praxis Academy, yeah. which is very hard to get into, and in, they're in the process of expanding it. It's very selective. Uh, they have more than 300 college students that go each summer through an intensive to um, understand the biblical call for entrepreneurship, and to tackle things like we were talking about on the program, identity and culture and uh, spiritual formation. You look at the, the Christ, you get exposed to Christ followers who are business owners all the time. Yes. You're, you're talking about the sovereign's capital. You're trying to find one out of 99, one out of 100 that is worthy of you guys actually investing in. And you've you got faith-driven entrepreneur because you want to push truth into those those people that are, that are doing that. What, what are a couple of things that you need, that, that our listeners could really use to hear from you about if, if a Christ-centered entrepreneur, what are some of those key things that they really need to understand about that intersection of their faith and their work and running a business? Oh, it comes back to the identity. It says, who are you? And if your identity is, is this beloved child of God and you sit in awe of the gift that's been given to you of life, it changes everything. And everything will flow from that. So there, there isn't really any type of a compartmentalization. Uh, there's a there's an earnest desire to thank the giver of this gift, and that desire manifests itself through every aspect of who you are. So let's talk about, I know what you are doing through Sovereign's Capital, and you've shared that. What do you want to say to the investment community as far as how others could help support Christian business owners? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, there's so much that the investment community can do. So I said something before I think that's really important, and that is that capital equals influence. I am very encouraged by the deployment of chaplaincy mm-hmm. in Christian businesses. But one of the reasons why I'm really encouraged by it is because it's not only the deployment of chaplaincy in Christian-owned businesses, it's the deployment of chaplaincy in the secular world, too. Interestingly, the secular world is even embracing and adopting and scaling chaplaincy faster than the Christian world, which doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. So follow me on this. Just about every professional sports team in America has got a professional chaplain mm-hmm. because they understand that their teams are pure play on human capital, provide vocational red meat for your employees to chew on, provide health benefits, provide for good finances, and their spiritual care. Mm-hmm. And so as other investors can say, you know what, we invest in companies that human, have human capital and we can employ things like chaplaincy, uh, that's a real powerful force. And for more, you're going to have to check out Henry Kastner online, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. Henry Kastner, thanks for being on I Work for him today. Thank you for having me. It's amazing. Faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.